My name is Chris Wheeler. This is the Engage Your Campus track, and this session is entitled Serving Your Campus. Uh, I am the director at Florida School, or sorry, at uh, Florida Gulf Coast University, and uh, this is my 23rd year involved in campus ministry. Uh, I started up at the University of Calgary in Canada and uh, have been on a number of different campuses, uh, the University of Southern California, UCLA, USC Long Beach. Uh, then in Georgia, I started ministry at Georgia Tech, uh, Kennesaw State University, did Bible studies at UGA, and now I'm down in Florida, uh, Florida Gulf Coast University and Florida Southwestern State College. And today we're gonna to talk a little bit about serving your campus and how you can effectively and powerfully serve your campus. Uh, but first thing I want you to know, this is what I want you to get out of this session. I want you to get PTSD, okay? That's, that's the goal, I'll explain that in just a little bit. But serving your campus, let me, let me give you two pictures so that we can kind of be tracking this during this time. Two pictures to go off of. The first picture is that of a waiter. Uh, have you ever had great service at a restaurant? You ever had great service? Yes. Like, you know, you're you're fin you're just finishing the last part of your drink, and you you look and you're like, man, I wish I had a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's there. It's like, and then your waiter or waitress just goes by, and they just they anticipated your needs. They knew exactly what you wanted. Uh, but they they brought you everything. They've served you. What are some good, what are some great characteristics of a good waiter or waitress? Okay. They smile. I, I, I'm gonna we're gonna talk a little bit. This is not me teaching the whole time. You know, you can talk to me. What are, what are some good characteristics of a good waiter or waitress? Okay, they fix mistakes. Excellent. Anticipating needs. They have good conversation with you. A little bit, not too much, but just enough. <laughs> Right? Okay. Yeah. They know the restaurant. They know the restaurant. Okay. What else? Menu. What's that? They know the menu. They know the menu. Okay. They also they take your order well and they bring the right stuff. That's always good. Nice. Bringing the right food. So when you have a great waiter or waitress, they bring you and they are serving you because they're there and they're focused on you, and they're they're worried and their concern is about you. You know, a bad waiter or waitress would be concerned about themselves. Like they would sit down at the table, they would eat your food because they're hungry. <laughs> you know, that wouldn't be great. So that's the first picture, the, uh, the picture of a waiter or waitress. The second picture is, you ever had, you know, you were, your foot ever gone numb? Yeah. You know, went to sleep, you know, and you know how that feels? Like yeah. it starts to wake up and got the prickly, you know, feeling, you know, and it, you can't really feel it, it's numb. Um, there's also things like paralysis. I don't know if you've ever felt like, you know, sometimes you hit, you know, that funny bone and yeah. you just, you're like, your arms, it's like, ah, and you can't even move it. You're like, ah. Or uh, if you've got a really bad infection, you know, gangrene, you ever had to like cut, you know, parts of your body off? You ever had to amputate anything? No one's ever felt that experience that? Okay. Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he talks about the body, he talks about every part having a function. And when things are dysfunctional, it, 
things aren't working properly, and when they re get really bad, it's, it's better just to cut it off. And if we don't have an attitude or an openness to serve, we're like a numb foot. And if we start thinking that we're like a waiter or a waitress where everyone else is a, that's around us should be meeting our needs, uh, we're, we're infected. And things are, are getting ugly. Because we are to have an attitude to be like Christ who came to serve and to, to give his life as a ransom for many. He gave to literally to sacrifice his life for the benefit of other people. And so as we think about those two pictures, I want you to develop PTSD today, okay? And here's what PTSD stands for, not what we normally think of. My, my son, uh, who went through some uh, early trauma in his life because of cancer and then an infection and he had to have things amputated off of his body because of the, the for those medical people he had leukemia and contracted pseudomonas with necrotizing fasciitis that's not a good combination when you're in induction okay? zero, zero immune system plus necrotizing fasciitis doesn't tend to end well and most cases end in death. My son deals with some PTSD, in, but I, I consider it a strength for him. Because if you're willing to suffer through things and you get through things, on the other side of that, God has a purpose and a plan to use that for the benefit of other people. Okay? You're suffering, you being a victim of anything in your life. God can turn that around so that you can serve others that come out of similar circumstances in a way that others couldn't. Okay, I'm gonna yell louder than he does just to make my point. But here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the definition of PTSD. The, the first is prayer, second is tactics, then service, then discipline. We're gonna go over each one so you don't have to write them down at, at this point in time. But you can write the first one down, you can write it down as prayer. Galatians 5.13 says this. It says, For you only, brothers and sisters, have been called to liberty. Only use liberty as an opportunity. Don't use uh, your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Because we have been given freedom in Christ, that freedom in Christ should not be used to just feed ourselves. We're free. There's no sin, shame, condemnation. We can live our lives and be full of gratitude, love, joy, peace, patience. Kind. We can be full of all those things. But Paul says, don't use that as, as a liberty just to feed yourself. Use it as an opportunity in love. To love someone is to, to be humble towards them, to consider them better than yourself. And so don't use your liberty to, to do things for yourself. Use it as an opportunity to serve others, to consider them better than you, more deserving of the freedom that you already possess. So when we have this freedom, it, it says a little bit earlier uh, in, verse, in verse 9, it says in, in Galatians 5, it says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
if you, if you like to bake, uh, I don't. I like cooking, but I don't. Baking, I'm, it's, a little, it's a little harder for me. But when you, when you add just a little bit of yeast, a little bit of leaven inside of a lump, it, it fills the whole thing. The power of service is that it's like yeast. If you just get a little bit of service into people's lives, if you actually consider them better than yourself, that will infect, that will go throughout the entire area that you're trying to reach. And this works if you're trying to get into the Greek system. This works if you're trying to get into the lives of athletes. This works if you're trying to get into the lives of faculty and staff. This works in any grouping that you're trying to go in and serve and target on your campus. As long as you're willing to do whatever it takes. You know, service, it, it ought to be dynamic. It ought to be something that you're engaging in on a regular basis. Because if you, if you understand the Word of God, if you understand what it says, then you're going to apply it. Because if, if you're not applying the Word of God, then you never understood it to begin with. Because the Word of God requires, it compels us to respond. It compels us to act. And if we, through the revelation of who Jesus is, through the reading of his word, see how Jesus was, then we ask him to fill us with his, his power, his spirit, his leading, his guiding, his wisdom. And then through that, we apply it for the benefit of other people, for the benefit of those that we're engaging in. So service is through the humble recognition of the importance of others, I am willing to give up my personal freedom so that they might experience that freedom in Christ that I've already experienced, that they might experience salvation, that they might experience the gospel. The main passage that I want to look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In, it, in verse 19, I'm just going to read a little bit, uh, and if I get passionate, that's what I do because the word of God is just awesome. Okay. Verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself servant to all that I might win the more. You understand that this is the Apostle Paul, effective. Not, not bad. You know, fairly large impact on Christianity. You know, if, if, if you're, if you're going to be like somebody that's great, you know, if you're going to pick Moses or pick Paul or pick some of the, the great men and women who have followed Jesus Christ, and they say, this is, what, this is my attitude, this is, this is what I determine. And if you want to become great like them, then this would be something to focus in on. He's saying, this is the attitude that I have personally. That though I'm free from all men, because my, my only authority is Jesus. I consider myself their slave. I'm their waiter. I'm not going to be concerned about what my needs are. I'm going to ask them what their needs are. And once I know what their needs are, I'm going to anticipate their needs. I'm certainly not going to become numb to that. I'm not going to become dysfunctional in the body of Christ. I'm going to serve others with the same attitude that Paul had. And he goes on. He says this. That I might win the more. To the Jews I become a Jew that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law. That I might win those who are under the law. To those who are not without the law as without the law. He's talking about Gentiles. 
To those who are weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by some means save some. This is, how, this is what he says. I want to become winsome, that I might win some. You're not going to win everybody. But if you're willing to go into an area of your campus, if you see an area of your campus where you go, God, I really want to reach them. I really want to reach the, the community that, man, the, the, the Greek system, athletes, the, the pride group on campus. I, I want to go in. I want to reach them. Well, what's it going to take? It's going to take you becoming winsome. It's going to be take, take you taking on the attitude of Christ and saying, I'm their servant. I'm there to serve them. I'm there to, to be for them what Christ was for me. And to go in and to help meet their needs in whatever capacity that I can, that in some measure or manner, I might gain attitude and respect and gain an open opportunity for the preaching of the gospel, which in and of itself is offensive. I don't need to be offensive. The gospel is offensive enough. It will convict them. It will bring about the sword and cut them in the way that it needs to cut them. I can just be there to love and to serve them in such a way that the opportunity will present itself. He goes on. He says this. Now I do this for the gospel's sake that I might be a partaker of it with you. He's doing this for the gospel. And then he says this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. It means they're, they're disciplined. They're se they're, they have self-control. They do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run in this way, not with uncertainty. And this is the way I fight, not as one who just beats the air randomly, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. So here's what service is all about. First and foremost, PTSD. The P is prayer. Who is God calling you to reach out to? Who is God directing you to influence, to serve? You can't serve everyone. That's why they give sections of the restaurant to, hey, you serve these people over here, you serve these people, you serve these tables. Why do they do that? Because if it was one waiter or waitress for the entire restaurant, everyone would be upset. No one would be really served well. So in order to serve well, you have to be focused. You have to know who God has called you to influence, who God has called you to, to serve. So in prayer, ask God, listen to him. Help him, ask, ask him to help you narrow down the group or the, the area that you'll be able to reach. Maybe it's, you know, maybe you want to reach freshmen. Well, which dorm? Be specific. Which group of people in that dorm? Be specific. Are you going, if, I like to shoot guns. I, I love shooting guns. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, 
And one of the principles of shooting at a target is that if you just aim at a, at a target and start shooting, you're gonna hit kind of all over the place. But if you aim at the middle of the central circle and you just and you focus on just the smallest part of your target that you possibly can, your groupings are going to come way in. And that's the goal. You want to hit the target. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have you're not going to hit stuff outside of that, but your the likelihood of hitting the target and hitting close to it is going to be much more significant. If you focus on who you're supposed to serve, and you, you reach those, you're gonna reach some other people here and there as well, but you're really going to make an impact in that area. So pray about it. The second aspect is tactics. Tactics, I love chess, I love you know, strategy games, I love thinking of those things. Tactics are simply actions or strategies carefully planned to achieve a specific end. But if you think about it in terms of what the biblical and even what the traditional aspect of tactics are, tactics are a, an art of deposing armed forces. So you're, you're positioning and moving armed forces in an order of battle and organizing various uh, operations, especially during combat with an enemy. I hope you understand that the enemy wants to continually deceive and remove the opportunity for the gospel to ever be preached to those who are lost on your campus. And that if you do not have a tactical awareness that you are in a war, that your good heart and your acts of service sometimes will fall short because you don't realize the enemy does not play fair. He plays to kill. And this is why we need to take on the attitude of Paul. Please don't be a wussy Christian. Play to win. Play to receive a, a, a glorious crown that is imperishable. Play for eternity. That's what's at stake. Athletes know and understand what this is like when they, when, they're, when they sacrifice day after day after day because of the opportunity for a, a gold medal, something you could buy for, you know, what, $10,000? Is it really worth $10,000 to those Olympic athletes? No, it's worth so much more because of what it means to them. They've imagined over and over and over and over and over standing on that podium, listening and hearing their national anthem. That is why they've been willing to go through all of the things that they've been willing to go through to get to that place. So please consider what prize you're trying to attain. Imagine it, understand that there is a reward in heaven as well. But in order to achieve that, you have to have some tactical awareness because the enemy is certainly doing things that are making it more difficult for you to just openly preach the gospel, that's becoming increasingly difficult. And so we need to be tactically aware. There are going to be ways that you can get into, in with the athletes, the Greek system, faculty and staff, there's gonna be ways that you're gonna be able to get into, into those areas 
that are going to be powerful and effective. So utilize those. Think about them. Plan through. Ask questions. The third part is service. Service. The best waiters and waitresses ask, what do you want? What do you need? What would you like? If you're going to serve athletes, if you're going to serve the Greek system, if you're going to serve those around you, it's not based on what you assume they need. Don't assume. Ask them. How can I serve you? What, what would help you today? Would you like this? Would you, you make suggestions, open things up, but have conversations with those people and ask. Do, you know, to, to, can you imagine walking in to uh, you know, your professor, one of your professors next semester, and, and you know, at the first class ends and say, hey, can, can I, you have five, 10 minutes, I just want to ask you a few questions. And they give you the time, and if you just, five, 10 questions on what their needs were, what their greatest frustration in school, how could I help you know, prepare the class for you when you come in, is there anything that I could do when the class ends? Is there any, like, basically, can I, can I volunteer to help you and to serve you this semester in any way that I, can I make your experience better? And there may be little things, it might be nothing. And they may start off with, their, well, yeah, I can't really think of it. And you can go to them every single, every single class, before or after class, was there anything else that I could do for you? I know, I know you don't need a lot, but is there anything I could do? And you're, just by being open and willing and asking those questions, they're like, oh, yeah, well, actually, I could use help with this. Now you have an open door. Now there's an opportunity to continue a relationship that will be harder for you and make their life better. But that's what service is. And so we need to serve people. Like in Micah chapter 6, verse 8 um, I'll just read the, the full context uh, of the verse. But there's the, the first part of the verse is this. It says, God has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? God's shown you what is good, and here's what he requires. To walk justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. To walk justly, to do what is just, is to do what is righteous, to do what is right in the sight of God, and to make those things that are not right in the sight of God, to make those things right. Mercy is to extend love to those who don't deserve it. And then to walk humbly with God is that as God and you walk together, when opportunities present themselves for you to serve someone because you consider them better than yourself, that's humility. Because if you always consider that everyone else is better than you, you'll see opportunities to serve everywhere. The reason why we oftentimes don't see opportunities to serve is because we're too full of pride. We have the blinders on. I gotta go to class, I gotta do this, I've got I gotta get my stuff done, I gotta go, you know, we've got all the things that we need to do and accomplish. But humility says no, I'm less important. They are more important 
and I'm called to serve them. And that's why you can't serve everyone at all times. It's impossible. You have to, with tactics and prayer, figure out who you're going to serve. And then the final aspect is discipline. The reason why athletes compete is because they want to win. No, no one competes in sports so that they can lose. And Paul admonishes us in 1 Corinthians 9, listen, if you're going to run this race, if you're going to be a Christian, run like you're going to win. Don't be a loser. Don't be a loser in the Christian walk. The only way you can be a loser in the Christian walk is to not be humble, not be willing to serve, just numb yourself to the needs of others, and, and just think about, your, think about yourself all, all the time. Just live for the freedom that Christ has given you and rejoice in the fact that you're going to heaven when you die, and then do whatever it is that you want. But if you're going to run in such a way as to win, and to win the prize, the prize of eternity in Christ, that is to influence and to redeem and to see as many people saved and brought to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior as possible so that your life has significance. Because if you're saved, if the only reason for your existence was to be saved, then as soon as you got saved, as soon as you came up out of the waters of baptism, as soon as you... I filled with the Holy Spirit, translated to heaven. God takes you, okay, you're good, you're safe. Now I'll just work with the next people. No, that's not how it works. Why did he leave you here? Because he's not done with you. Not just working on you, he wants to work through you now. He wants to work through you to accomplish his purpose. This is his purpose. His purpose through your life is the representation of Christ to those who don't, don't yet know him. And one of the greatest ways to open a hardened heart is to serve them and to consider them great. To consider them better than yourself. Because if you're secure in Jesus Christ, if you already know that you are accepted and you're part of the beloved and there you are, Christ became the victim even though you may have been victimized. Christ became that which was, he was beaten and torn down, whipped, despised, rejected, he was, the, even his own disciples were traitorous. They, they left him. He's experienced all of those things. And yet he was the one that came and sought them out. So if we're willing to go and do that, if we're willing to serve, if we're willing to pray and to explore tactics and to have a, an, an understanding of what it is to serve and to be humble in those things, and then to discipline ourselves. It has to be consistent. You're not going to see change and transformation in the first week. If you do, uh, I'm wrong, you're right, you're awesome, you're a much better servant than I am. It usually takes time. It usually takes consistency. Prolonged periods of being uncomfortable and helping serve other people that 
don't respect or honor or think the way you think. But that's part of the tactics. I can outlove them. You know, I, I, I've been in campus ministry 23 years. Okay? Nobody knows who I am. And that's I like it that way because I'm not that gifted. And I'm not that talented. But the one thing that I can hold on to, and, and I've, I've said to other people, because I've seen a lot of really charismatic leaders and a lot of really charismatic people rise and fall and do a lot of great things. And the one thing that I've prayed consistently throughout my life is, God, I never want to be gifted beyond the capacity of my character. But I will say this. You may want to serve God, but I'll out-faithful you any day of the week. Any day of the week. I'll outwork you, and I will be faithful until the end. Because my goal in life is to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. I am going to be faithful with my small little gift, my, my not, not so much talent, I'm not really that great at anything, but I can be faithful. I can be disciplined. I can just keep moving forward. And I can certainly serve other people. I can certainly consider them better than myself because both people are. And I just want to give and to continue to give. Now, you may have uh, questions as to, you know, maybe like how to get into the Greek system or the athletes or, uh, or other arenas. And I wanted to give a significant amount of time for any questions or thoughts or ideas that may have come up even just during this time. Uh, do any of you have any questions or comments at this point in time so far? Just on people that you want. Yeah, go ahead. What's your name? Caleb. Caleb, nice to meet you, sir. Uh, at the beginning, you mentioned um, anticipating people's needs. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to know what, what it looks like to anticipate people's needs. Right. So a good waiter. I, they're going to come to me and they're going to say, what would you like to drink? And I'm going to say, Diet Coke. They're going to go get my Diet Coke. Now, anticipating is not, an anticipation of someone's needs is not out of ignorance. There's no way that they could have anticipated my need before they knew it. But once they know my need, once they know what, I, I need Diet Coke when I'm having a meal, okay? That's what I need. And so I'm going to drink a few of them. Then once she sees or he sees that I've, you know, I've gone through two-thirds of this sucker and I've got it to my mouth, she sees that and she brings another one before I'm done. That's anticipating my need because they, it's a known need. And then they see that it's going to be needed again. There are many different opportunities that you would have as long as you know what, the, what people have already expressed they need. Then you can anticipate that they're going to need it. It's, you know, when you, usually when you go on a, like a mission trip and you know you're going to be building a certain building. Well, how did you know that you were gonna be building a certain building? Well, someone went there, asked them, what do you need? Okay, hey, oh, well, let's get the finances together. Let's get the building materials together. Let's get all these things. And then let's go meet that need. It wasn't, you know, when you get there, you look around and you may realize, uh-oh, there's certain tools missing to accomplish these tasks. That's anticipating, and we're gonna need those tools rather than just being silent, well, they'll figure it out, they'll, they'll eventually get them. Anticipating the need going, 
oh man, do we know where these type of tools are? No, oh no, we forgot them. Well, and then going and getting them, anticipating is having a known need, and then being able to fill in the blanks where, where some would obviously be. Does that make sense? Okay. Other questions? Yes. Yes, okay. So, service in and of itself, the gospel must be preached. You know, we know Romans 10, 9 and 10, like you have to hear the gospel in order to be able to respond to it. Serving someone opens their heart. There's, there's something called relational reciprocity, okay? Reciprocity works this way. Uh, we just had Christmas, so this is great. So, someone... Uh, uh, what's your name? Jasmine. Jasmine. So Jasmine wants to give me a gift. And Jasmine gives me a gift and I open it up and it's, you know, one of those Christmas cakes. And I'm like, oh man, I did not expect a gift from Jasmine. I, did not, I didn't get her anything. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? <gasps> I got a great idea. Now, there's two things. There's two ways to go about this. I can either continue the relationship or I can end it and I'm gonna give her a gift. If I wanna continue the relationship, I, I ask her friends, you know, I, I, I you know, see what she likes to wear, see her watch, you know, I look at, you know, okay, she wear earrings, what can I get her? And something I wanna increase the value, that, that Chris, you know, she got me a really nice, you know, Christmas cake, you know, I'm gonna get uh, something for her, and so then I give her maybe a gift card and, you know, something else. And she opens it up, oh, thank you so much, and, and we become great friends. If I want to end the relationship, what I do is I go get another box and I take that Christmas cake and I put it in another box and I wrap it up with, with paper and then I give it back to her. Now, here's the thing. The exchange is equal. Basically saying, this relationship's over. I don't owe you anything. That's what ends relationships. I don't owe you anything, bye. See you, Jasmine. We're not friends anymore. And she would take it that way, rightfully so. I just gave this to you. I know I wanted to give you something, so nice, isn't it? <laughs> right? Why is that true? Because when re reciprocity is, if I serve you, if I give things to you, at some point in time, you're going to feel an obligation to reciprocate. Why? Because that is the nature that God put inside his people, everyone. That we feel obligated. This, like, if, uh, if you went home, you go home and you go uh, into your mom's house and you clean your room, you vacuum, you wipe all the windows down inside and out, uh, you, you wipe the walls down, 
Uh, you clean up the, the laundry room. Uh, you, uh, you dust everywhere. And then your mom walks in and she sees that you've done all this. What's the first question she's going to ask you? What do you want? What do you want? Why? Because she feels obligated to give you something. Why? Because you've done something that has served her and she's starting to feel that tug. And she's like, whoa, 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 I want you to stop because I don't want to feel too obligated because this is true. You can get anything you want from anyone if they feel obligated enough to give it to you. Now, businesses, marketing, they use that type of manipulation all the time. But we're not using it in a manipulative way. We're using it in a way to open up the opportunity to say something really that's going to cut them. Understand the gospel is offensive. It's going to offend everything that they've basically done and thought and believed for most of their life. Jesus Christ is the stone of stumbling, the rock of offense. And they're going to run straight into him. We just want to make it as soft as possible by showing and showering them with the love. And so the reason why we serve people is to open up the opportunity because we still have to be ready in season and out of season. It doesn't mean, you know, I, I teach a class on evangelism and some people say, well, you have to have relationship with people to, to have an evangelistic encounter. And I just go, okay, let's take this scenario. You're, you're walking, I live in Florida, so this is apt. You're walking along the beach with your friend and you see someone that's drowning and they're screaming and you swim out there and they're like, help, help, help. And they're like, so what's your name? Uh, how you doing? Where are you from? You know, I, I, I don't know. Help me, help me. Well, I don't know you yet. I can't save you until I know you. That's, that's the extreme. I can't preach the gospel to somebody if I don't know them. Really? If the opportunity presents itself, open your mouth and preach the gospel. Well, how do I know when the opportunity is? Well, if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you're, you're looking for the opportunity to serve everybody and you're not thinking about yourself and how uncomfortable it's going to make you feel, guess what? You're going to get the opportunity to preach the gospel a lot. A lot more than you probably already are. But that doesn't mean that we just, every single opportunity we take, we have to be wise, discerning. And maybe we say, maybe we're more like Esther rather than taking the first opportunity to say something, hey, let's, why don't you come over for another meal? Why don't you come over and we'll hang out a little bit more? Okay, we're building the relationship and then we'll take the opportune moment. That's tactics. That's using your, the mind that God has given you to, to utilize the service that will create a relational reciprocity, create a need and obligation to give you voice. Because if you're serving somebody and you're really considering them better than yourself and you're, you're exalting them, you're helping them, when you say something offensive to them spiritually, it's going to be hard for them to shut the door on you or harder. Not necessarily that they can't because people even rejected Jesus, <clears throat> right? So we're going to be rejected, but more people will be willing to listen because they've opened the door for you to serve them. Other questions? How many, how many of you uh, have, like there, I, I, I'm at Florida Gulf Coast University and the comparison between the Greek system at FTCU and USC is 
night and day. Like there's hardly anything at FGCU. It's a young campus, 20 years old, versus USC uh, in Southern California, which when I was there, I was like blown away by the, the Greek system. How many of you have like well-established, like very like movers and shakers in fraternities and sororities on your campus? Okay, so God made, okay, some of you may be involved in them. Again, a great opportunity. It's like, if, if you're in a place, like if you're an athlete or if you're in a fraternity or sorority, you already know who you're supposed to serve. Okay? If you're in the honor society, if you're in a group or a club already, okay, you don't have to guess. Like, God, who am I supposed to serve? It's like, they're right beside you. <laughs> okay? Serve them. Start to change the way that you look at and consider those around you. Uh, like, which faculty should I really bless and pray for and serve this semester, Lord? Uh, look at your class list. You know, that's... <laughs> start with them, you know. It's easy. But sometimes we always want the, like, the super hyper-spiritual answer, and that's not always the case. Now, God may call you into something that you feel totally uncomfortable with, but just start serving those people around you. Um, let me give you a let me give you a website if you don't already access this. They have some good articles and some uh, some good interaction. Uh, you can sign up for their email list. It's for campus ministers, but you're all campus ministers. Every member a minister. Every person is a is a priest. Uh, I, campus ministry today, CMT. Um, campus ministry today. Uh, you can just look that up. They have different articles uh, and how to reach you know, to your dorm, how to reach out to athletes, how to reach out to uh, the Greek system. Excellent resources, along with other campus ministries. You can look throughout the, the, the Chi Alpha world and there's a lot of articles. I would suggest that you read. Look for opportunities to serve and you will find them and you'll find some really, really amazing inroads onto your campus that are transferable. And this is another thing. If you're, how many, how many seniors we got in here right now? Okay, seniors, okay? Coming up into your final year, or your final semester, final, you know, you're on the home stretch. Bring someone with you. If you've got someone, if you've got a group of friends or, or an open door into a certain group, bring a young, you know, on fire sophomore with you that, that could, utilize or leverage that type of relationship moving forward because then you keep you keep the that that group from just going off to the wayside now sometimes that's not going to be possible because of the nature of the group itself but in whatever way that you can create opportunities for other people around you to help you serve because <coughs> it's always better to do things together right you know like let's that's why Jesus sent his disciples out two by two it's always, you know, it's safety, wisdom, and it, and, it, and it creates that camaraderie, that opportunity. Take someone with you while you go and serve. 